Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt, a podcast about electric vehicles, renewable energy, autonomous vehicles, and much, much more. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And on today's episode, I sat down with Bruce Wilson, and we discussed misconceptions when it comes to EV braking systems. We talk about one-pedal driving versus blended braking. It's a great conversation. I had a lot of fun hanging out with Bruce. If you're not familiar, Bruce is a member of our community, and in February of 2022, Bruce actually was on this podcast talking about his Kia Nero, which is episode 283. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that. It's a really good episode. But Bruce just isn't a podcast listener and EV owner. He's also a scientist. He's written several articles for Allison Sheridan's website at podfeet.com. He's a friend to the Kilowatt community, and he really just in general has a very inquisitive mind and wants to know how stuff works, which I would imagine is an occupational hazard if you're an actual scientist. So join me in welcoming Bruce to the show. Thanks, Bodie. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. I am very excited. We are going to be talking about braking systems and more specifically EV braking systems. But before we jump into that, could you just kind of give us a breakdown, just automobile braking systems in general? Sure. I've spent more time looking at a few of them. So there's things that, that I know less about, but we, we can start with the one that we're we're all used to seeing, which I'm going to call a friction brake. You've got a drum in older cars or discs in something new, and then you've got something that clamps a pad against that drum, against that disc. It slows the car down by by friction, um, and that's what was on you know cars kind of since they they were first made. You know, the more you use them, we got to go in for a brake job, get the pads replaced, maybe get the rotors resurfaced, you know, all of that sort of stuff. That evolved in in the world of hybrids. Um, to this idea of using a generator. Because when you do friction braking, you're going to lose 100% of the energy. It gets dissipated as heat, to use some fancy words, um, in, in the deformation of the rotors and so forth. But they developed this, this blended braking system where you could use a motor running in reverse, which is a generator, and put some of that energy back into a battery. And now you could pull that energy back out 
and use it to move the car. And that, that's how those original hybrids were worked. Um, there certainly are some other things, you know, I've around long enough that I can use a transmission and downshift and slow a car down. And we've all heard the trucks using a Jake brake or compression braking. Not going to get into that, but it's, it's more this, you know, what happens when I hit the brake pedal? Used to be we'd put a clamp up against a disc and create friction that would slow things down. That's still the dominant braking in, in hybrids, but you get some of it stored into a battery. But now we come into an EV and it's got much bigger motors in it and it's got much bigger batteries. And so one of the innovations here is, well, heck, you know, we got a whole lot more stopping power now with an EV because the amount that you can slow a car down with this regenerative braking, this idea of putting that energy of motion back into a battery the amount that you can slow a car down is really related to how fast it can accelerate. So one of the cool things about EVs is they accelerate pretty quickly. Well, you can use that same thing running in reverse to stop a car pretty quickly without having to resort to a friction brake. Now, every EV's got a friction brake. You need it for some things. You may need it for that last little bit. You may need it because you really need to stop in a hurry and you need more stopping power than you can get out of a regenerative braking system. But most of what they do, you know, the way you get the more range is use the regenerative braking as much as you can. Okay. And then from there, let's go ahead and move into the different type of braking systems that can be found on EVs because a lot of people sure. might think, including myself, and I've made this mistake several times, is that uh, all of the braking systems are, 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 the, are they're all the same for EVs. Like mm -hmm. you let off your foot and it's not really braking, sure. it's slowing you down. When <laughs> I have my Tesla, for instance, and I put my foot on the brake, Mm -hmm. You had mentioned to me, now you're applying the fr friction brake as soon as you put your right. foot on the brake for the Tesla, and that's not necessarily the case for all EVs. That, that's exactly it. I mean, wh what we have to recognize is that Tesla, in so many ways, defined the modern electric vehicle. They were the first to sell all electric vehicles in any significant numbers. And if you go to Motor Trend, for example, the Tesla Model Y was the fourth most popular vehicle sold in the United States for 2023. It was behind the Ford F-150, the Chevy Silverado, and the Ram pickup truck. So put another way, the Tesla Model Y in 2023 was the best-selling car in the United States. Cool accomplishment. Yeah. But Tesla made some interesting design decisions. And it, it's this question of what's the user interface? What happens when I push on the brake pedal? In any hybrid vehicle, when I push on the brake pedal, I'm going to engage the regenerative braking as much as it can, and it'll make up the balance with the friction brake. Tesla made a design decision that said, nope, We're, when you press on the brake pedal in a Tesla, you're just going to get the friction brake. We're going to tie all of the regenerative braking into the accelerator and what we sometimes call or often call one pedal driving. So push on the accelerator, I go faster. Lift off on the accelerator, I go slower. And if you lift off the accelerator completely in a Tesla in one, drive, one pedal driving mode, you're stopping fairly quickly. And it'll bring you to a complete stop. But... Other 
automakers made different decisions, and and some made the same decision. By what that what's true for the Tesla, that the brake pedal is tied exclusively to the friction brake, is true for Rivian's, and it's true for Lucid's. It's not true for any of the so-called legacy automakers. So I drive a Kia Nero EV. Um, I've driven it about 30,000 miles. It does not have what a Tesla owner would call one pedal driving, although I can put it into a pretty aggressive regenerative braking when I lift off the accelerator. But for a variety of reasons, I don't use it that often. I drive my Kia Nero EV pretty much the same way I drive my 2004 pickup truck, which is, you know, ICE vehicle. And that's part of why, because I don't want to have to change driving modes when I'm changing vehicles. But after 30,000 miles, I'm nowhere near needing a brake job. In fact, I just took it in for a checkup and the mechanic is telling me, yeah, you'll probably need a brake job at about 150,000 miles which is, I think, consistent with most of what Tesla and other EV owners experience. But the point is, is is the user interface is different. I press on the brake pedal on my EV, and it's going to use the regenerative braking as much as it can and only apply the friction braking if it needs more stopping power than what the regenerative system can provide. And you, I can see that on the dashboard. It'll show me the little lights that say, here's how much energy you're pumping back into the battery. And you know, it's kind of cool, but it's a, it's a different design decision. But what I think that leads to, and I've seen this in a whole bunch of reviews, there was one I was watching of somebody looking at the Hyundai Ionic 5. And he said, yep, you know, it, it's got a one pedal driving mode and you got to turn the regenerator that that regenerative braking on with one pedal driving mode. But that's not true. The Hyundai Ionic 5, just like every other Kia, Ford, um, Chevy, Hyundai, whatever, does this blended braking. You press on the brake pedal, it's going to engage the regenerative braking as much as it can and only bring in the friction braking when it's needed. Okay, I think that's a really good way of of putting this. Is there is there any other type of system that we haven't mentioned out there? There might be, but there's none that I've that I know of or that I've studied. It's just really this question of what what's the user interface that I ask my car to slow down and how does that car react to that user interface and which is it using? Is it using a friction brake or is it using regenerative braking? Okay. And can you think of, and if if you can, it's okay. I can cut this part out, but can you think of any advantages over one system over another? Well, you know, you talked about a while back about Hertz's experience bringing Tesla's into their rental fleet. And if you're not used to driving something with one pedal driving, it really takes some adjustment. Um, I think, you know, Bart Bouchatz has commented on this. I've spoken with Allison. Most people that I know that use one pedal driving really like it. Um, Allison talks about it being less fatiguing um, to do that. Um, But it's an adjustment. Um, and it's also interesting that that same 
um, review about an Ionic 5, I had to laugh because both the husband and wife that were involved in the review preferred driving in one pedal driving mode. But the wife made a comment that she said, actually, no, when you're driving, I'd rather you didn't because I feel like the car jerks around a little bit more. You know, you're, you know, some of that little husband and wife banter back and forth. And there have been a few articles that, you know, want to take pot shots at Tesla because, you know, everybody wants to take pot shots sometimes at, you know, pot shots at people who are successful is one way to get attention and views and so forth. Um, but so in a blended braking system, the driver doesn't have to learn how to do anything new. So I think that's an advantage. And I think the system, like in many of the EVs where it's a driver's choice, do I want to be in one pedal driving mode or do I not? And by the way, the car should remember it. There is also another in issue. There's a, a terrifying, I think, video that Consumer Reports published where they showed an Ionic 5 decelerating in one pedal driving mode. The brake lights never come on. Now, Hyundai has fixed that. Um, so you know that you're in, in one pedal driving mode, you're pretty much only using regenerative braking. So you, you've got that degree of control. But it's also true that if you're hitting the brake pedal at all, your brake lights are on. So if you're in one pedal driving mode, you don't have control over what you're signaling to the drivers behind you about whether or not you're accelerating or decelerating, sorry. I, um. I don't think I'm worried about that today. Um, I dug into that as, as part of researching this. And again, while Tesla has made some design decisions that I don't think I'll ever buy one, I have to also acknowledge that they've done a great job with a bunch of the engineering things and what I'm reading and with the acceleration stuff and sort of what I've observed. I think you can be pretty comfortable in most electric vehicles, certainly Teslas and with what Hyundai and Kia have fixed in theirs, that if you're decelerating significantly with one pedal driving, your brake lights are going to come on. Based on our uh, test on the street out in front of my house, even if you lift off a little bit, the brake lights do come on on a Tesla. I don't know about Rivian or Lucid, but I would imagine there's probably some sort of law or uh, if there's not, there should be regulation that, that that actually has to take place. There should be. And um, Kia's response, and they put some numbers in it, is that they're turning on the brake pedal if there's more than 0.13 Gs of deceleration. And 0.13 Gs, I did the math, is, is sort of like stopping from zero to 60 in about 30 seconds. Not real fast. I mean, not a lot of deceleration. Sure. And Tesla is apparently more nuanced than that. So if you're at slow speeds, less deceleration will cause the brake lights to come on. Again, making sense. So it's, it's not a simple formula um, in those cases. I think there's also an interesting question. There's a lot of people... Who are who firmly believe that one pedal driving is more efficient? Um, a couple of people, a couple of groups that I've read have tried to study it, 
And nobody has presented any evidence that's conclusive. There was a study in the laboratory where they're putting up, you know, on one of these laboratory things with the rotors and so forth. And they saw a significant difference in that environment. But when they tried to replicate that experiment out in the real world, if anything, the, their data said maybe one pedal driving is a little less efficient than a blended braking because there's a little, you know, a little bit of movement and you're kind of constantly oscillating back and forth a little bit between accelerating, decelerating, um, depending on how you're doing it. So my conclusion is it doesn't make a big difference in the efficiency. Again, I'm driving a vehicle that doesn't really have it. I actually get pretty close to the EPA numbers for my Kia Nero. Um, over 30,000 miles, I've averaged four miles to the kilowatt hour, um, which is a pretty good number. So at least I can be efficient without it. So it's it really should just be, um, as a driver, what what do I like? What's what's best for me in this situation? Um, the current Kias and Hyundai's again. I've looked at those because they have some things that I particularly like. And a, an update to mine: I've actually got automatic mode, which if there's nothing in front of me, has a fairly light lift off deceleration. But if I lift off the accelerator because I'm moving over to the brake, and there's something in front of me, it's going to apply a much more aggressive deceleration. I happen to like that mode a lot, and that's actually normally where I leave my car. Okay. It, what happens, I'm going to assume this is the same for all electric vehicles. When I charge my Tesla up to 100% and mm-hmm. then I leave, there's there's no uh, regenerative braking whatsoever. That's, that's 100% friction. It's probably not for the first little bit, but probably get a mile or two down the road and you got some buffer left in your battery and um, you're going to get regenerative braking. Again, depends on what kind of battery you've got. Um, if you've got an LFP battery, sure, charge that up to 100%. That's what it wants. If you've got one of those, uh, the regular lithium ion, like is in most Teslas and in, in my Kia, I almost never charge more than 80%. So I've always got some buffer. If you're at real low speed, um, the regenerative braking might not give you much. And I've, I know on my car, that last little stop is always with the friction brake from like two miles an hour to zero or something like that. I've read whether or not that's true for Tesla's. I don't find any consistent. So it's probably possible that that last little, you know, from two miles an hour to zero might be engaging a friction brake behind your back, but you're not going to get much regenerative energy out of it. And it's not really spending that much off the friction brake, which is why EVs where you're using regenerative braking, you know, 100 to 150,000 miles for a brake job is not unusual as opposed to 10 or 15,000 miles for a brake job on a typical ICE vehicle. And maybe you got to get the rotors done at 30 or 40,000 miles. Pulling on this one pedal driving, you know, so there is one thing that isn't a real high risk for you or for me, but 
If you really love one pedal driving, don't buy a Porsche. Porsche, for whatever reason, says, nope, we're not doing one pedal driving, not a feature on our vehicles. So they just use blended braking or they use something else? They just use the blended braking mode. So, you know, there's the full spectrum. Well, if you have those beautiful red calipers, you have to use them, I guess. That's that's what (laughs) they... I mean, they're still using the regenerative braking, but they just said, nope, we don't think one pedal driving is efficient. So there's so many of some of these things that are... I guess I would kind of say emotional perspectives or people stake at a particular position and they're just going to hammer on that. Nope. That's a hundred percent. And that, that, that goes back to overall, you should buy the car that speaks to you the most. So if you don't like the mm-hmm. way Tesla drives, maybe sure. it's because of one pedal driving and you don't know how to articulate that because you don't know the difference, or maybe it's just because of the way the car drives in general, then fine that that's fine okay. there's there's the f-150 lightning there's the mustang there's the all of the hyundai and kia which they're yep. knocking it out of the park yep with their evs there's so many different places you can go to and polestar being one of them as well mm-hmm. polestar is is also one that that does either it'll do blended braking so polestar is the only one of the ev only manufacturers that i'm aware of that doesn't insist that you have to use one pedal driving to get regenerative braking. So, yeah, you know, it's just a question to ask. I think Bart mentioned that when you save it, it stays there. Like it, it doesn't reset when you get back in the car. And that is a knock. Um, I've been out and I've driven the Ionic five and the Ionic six. I like them but they won't stay in one pedal driving mode. You have to turn it on every time you turn the vehicle on, if that's what you want. They'll stay in this automatic mode, but they won't stay in one pedal driving mode, which I think is frustrating. Sure. Uh, That that seems to be if you're going to offer the choice uh, and somebody picks it, they're going to want to pick it every single time. Yep. Or tie it to, you know, which key got used or whatever have you. I mean, sure. My Ford knew that, you know, if if this key got used, put the driver's seat in this position. And if that key got used, you know, put it in the position where my wife likes the seat. So I did have to laugh. I I test drove an F-150 because, yeah, wanted to and it was cool. And I'd been out and done the, the loop. And again, I didn't have it in one pedal driving mode, but I pulled back into the lot. And as I was turning it off, there was one of these alerts that came up on the screen and said, great job. You got all of your braking through regenerative braking. Because I was you know, driving without a lot of harsh acceleration and, and deceleration and so forth. So I, I had to laugh. The affirmation we need from our vehicles. So I was gonna say it's a nice little affirmation. I would I would like that in in my car. Um, I don't I don't know how many great jobs I would get based on my driving, <laughs> but it would be nice to have one every now and again. Be appreciated. Uh, do you, do you, we have a little bit more time left, Bruce? Do you do you want to talk about other EVs that you're looking at and considering for your next EV? I know we've had this conversation a little bit mm-hmm. offline. I go back and forth. 
One of the features that I really like about the Kia and Honda and Hyundai vehicles is that they have paddle shifters. So with the paddle shifters, um, I can dynamically control the level of liftoff um, regenerative braking. How close am I to this one pedal driving mode? And and I will use I do use that quite a bit. Um, on my car. Um, I tried to describe it to Allison at one point, and her reaction says, well, that just sounds way too complicated. And maybe it is, maybe it's fiddly, but it's one of the things that, that I like. Um, I think that the adaptive cruise control is important, and being able to control from the steering wheel, um, the steering wheel mounted controls, what's my following distance? So, I'm actually most of the time in no pedal driving mode. So even in city traffic, I'm just using the adaptive cruise control to set a ceiling for how fast am I going and um, how close am I following behind the vehicle in front of me. And, and I'll you know, tighten that spacing up. It still won't go quite as close as I need to be in true stop and go traffic. But, you know, as long as I'm not on an interstate in stop and go traffic, it's still pretty good. And I'm leaving a little bit more room um, in terms of what some folks are doing. So I like those vehicles. Um, I listened to what um, Bart had to say about the Polestar. That's interesting. I'm a little bit reluctant about some of these. The nearest Rivian repair location is three hours from where I live. Um, so that one intrigues me. I've driven the R1T. Um, I could get used to it. Um, I do have this life where I'm driving, you know, the EV and a pickup truck and I wouldn't mind consolidating to one vehicle. So the Rivian R1T is possible. The Ionic 5 can actually, um, in the U.S., take a trailer hitch and they'll rate it to pull about 2,000 pounds. So that would give me a way to put a trailer and a way to haul sheets of plywood and some of the other stuff or a trailer load of mulch or a trailer load of stone or some of what I'm doing. Right now, mostly what I'm going to do is wait and see what comes out for the next generation and what are the vehicles that come out with the North American charging standard connector built into them. I should be able to get an adapter for my Kia, um, and that'll be fine. But I think I'd like to move when stuff has ironed its way out to something that has the NAC standard. I don't road trip a lot in that car. Um, and part of where I go, there's a 35-mile stretch that has no gas stations, much less um, no charging station. And when I leave um, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is, is where I live, and go to Asheville, there are no charging stations once I get past Gatlinburg. So there's, that's a 90-mile stretch, and you're going up the mountain. Mm. So I think Bart was also talking about range being important for him. I've got about 240 miles of range with that Kia Nero EV um, under most circumstances. 
I think I'd really want to push it to about 300 because 300 lets me get to Asheville and either home or at least as far back as Gatlinburg. And I don't have to deal with the um, limited charging infrastructure in Asheville. That probably also gives me enough to get to some of the other places that I'd want to get to um, from here where this part of the country, electric vehicle charging infrastructure is pretty sparse. Do you know if Tennessee's uh, uh, working with those federal funds for bolstering the charging infrastructure in Tennessee? Haven't seen much of an indication in electric vehicles and electric vehicle infrastructure has unfortunately become political in some of the ways that, that folks look at it. And and there's a contingent that if one side is, is arguing for something, the other one's going to argue against it just on general principles, even if it's something that rational people might otherwise want to agree on. So I think there, there's some of that in play. I haven't seen a lot of it, um, but it was interesting that um, on the um, batteries included, um, Kyle Connor had mm-hmm. gone down to Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is a deeply conservative part of the country. And he was talking about this brand new charger that was in Rock Hill So, you know, there's some of it happening here and there, but I'm not sure how much is getting driven at the state level. Well, I will say that I did a little search, and on February 1st, from the Longview News Journal, uh, let's see, Tennessee awards $21 million in federal funds for EV chargers. That uh, gets uh, 10 applicants out of 23. Uh, That will allow them to build 30 new charging stations in Tennessee. Uh, oh, excuse me. There's 167 applicants. So, you know, the funds are getting out there. They received $88 million in federal funding for okay. five years of funding the project. So if 23 gets you 10, uh, let's see, if $21 million gets you 10, so 40 EV chargers across Tennessee. I don't know if that's chargers or charging stations. Oh, it's charging stations. Charging stations. So, you know, we'll see how all of that goes and that the whole transition to the Tesla charging connector, the North American charging standard, um, and how much that opens up the supercharging network. Again, part of what I have to give props to Tesla for, the Tesla supercharging network is hands down by a wide margin, the most reliable and widespread charging infrastructure in the United States. Yeah, I okay, so I understand that I'm blessed by living in a big city that has a lot of Teslas anyway. But mm-hmm. I had left my house uh for an errand. I went to the store that I needed to go to. They're like, it's not at this store, it's at the other store. So I went to the other store. They're like, it's not at this store, it's the other store. I'm going further I live in the East Valley, I'm going further and further west. I did not leave my my house I left my house with about fifty percent battery. And I was like, man, if they tell me to go to one more store west, I'm going to have to be, start looking stuff up. And um, I'm, I, I, I get my, my item that I need to buy. I'm coming back home, and I'm on the freeway. And I'm, I'm not even looking for a charger, but I am hungry. 
So I pull over mm-hmm. a place that I know that has some fast food places, get my food, pull out of the, the fast food uh, place. And I see like, I don't know, 12 or 14 Tesla chargers and they're all, all empty except for maybe mm-hmm. three. And I was like, oh, well, this is nice. So I charged, I ate my lunch, charged up to 200, right. watched TV, and then um, went about my day. It was it was right. a nice little happy coincidence. The only thing I did get, this is the op- opposite of those affirmations that we were talking about, affirmations, excuse me, that we were talking about, is the <laughs> my car was like, hey, the next time you want to do this, precondition, precondition yep. before coming here. And yep. I, I was like, I get it, but I wasn't planning on charging the car. So stop yelling at me. Mm-hmm. But other right. than that, and you know, experience. I'm blessed. Uh, we built this house um, in 2019. So we moved in six months before COVID. And I knew that this was a direction I wanted to go. So I've got a 50 amp circuit in the garage that was intended for. Um, EV charging and you know I've got that charger I actually rarely use the full 40 amp capability and again just a reminder for folks you know Bodie firefighter you deal with emergency situations you got to have that 20% buffer on the capacity because you're pulling current for a long period of time and stuff gets hot and by the way I would also argue that if you had an electrician install your um, EV charger, bring that electrician back after a year, have them make sure that the connections are all still solid um, because you're, you're pulling a lot of juice uh, through mm-hmm. that circuit. Now, again, people pay attention to EV fires and all of that other sort of stuff. Why do you not read about gasoline fires and so forth in garages? Because it ain't news. It happens. Yeah. Uh, I was on uh, one on uh, it was either on Christmas or New Year's. We were on a right around that time. We were on a car fire in a garage that was a gasoline car. So I think we're going to end that here. Bruce, do you have anything you want to promote or a place that you would like to send people to follow what you do? I think the places I would send folks are to Kilowatt Podcast, great place to listen, and to the Podfeet. You know, everything good starts with Podfeet, including some pointers back to Kilowatt. But if somebody wanted to reach out and got on to the Podfeet Slack, I'm there. Um, you can find me probably by searching by name, but I also go by the handle of Use the Data. Okay. Uh, if you want to go to the Podfeet Slack, I'll put a link in the show notes. Podfeet.com slash Slack. <laughs> yep. Allison's got a great community of folks over there. All right, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on and, and spending your Saturday morning with me. I appreciate your time and I appreciate all you do, sir. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right. I want to thank Bruce for his time. He's actually working on an article on this very topic. And once he has finished it, that will be posted on Allison Sheridan's webpage, which is podfeet.com. And just one more time before we go, because Bruce is such a nice human being. I want to thank him again for coming on and chatting with me. If you have questions or comments about today's show, go ahead and email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. I am actually attempting to get the show back on track again. I know I've let a couple of days slip in terms of when I release the show. So Friday's show should be a news show. And then next Tuesday's show, we'll talk about Ford's earnings call. Okay, I hope everybody has a a wonderful week, and I will talk to you on Friday. Oh, yeah, and please check out the show notes if you are interested in joining the PodFeet Slack channel or if you just would like more information on what Allison's doing. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.